This is the Reluctant Leader podcast, brought to you by the Reluctant Leader Academy. I'm your host, Mark Terrell, and in each episode, I will invite an expert guest to discuss a topic or subject that will enhance your knowledge and hopefully inspire you on your leadership journey. If managing people is becoming your biggest headache, then check out the How to Lead Your Team with Confidence course and join the next group program starting soon. So let's see who's in the hot seat today. Today, I'm talking to Darren Clark. Darren is a serial entrepreneur based in Wiltshire in the UK, who is an accomplished international speaker and has spoken to thousands of people all over the globe, inspiring them with his incredible life story. Darren's journey of undiagnosed dyslexia until the age of 37 meant that he had to work even harder within his career and business. Due to this, he fought constant stress and bouts of depression, but determination and perseverance continued to drive him forward and to make a difference to other sufferers from dyslexia all over the world. I hope you enjoy this chat we had about dyslexia and I'll catch you all on the other side. Darren, welcome to the Reluctant Leader podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Mark. Really appreciate it. Uh, I was reflecting on, as I do with when I met people or what, uh, in, on their journeys, and um, we met at uh, local networking a long time ago, and we were on a some point in our in our path, um, yes. and obviously lots have changed in that time. And we've probably um, we connect on um, social media, and we sort of uh, track people and see what they're doing. And it's been really interesting to see how you've evolved from what you were doing to what you're doing now. But I won't spoil anything at this point. Um, <laughs> no, so before before we get stuck into that, um, the question I always um, ask my guests is, uh, why do you do what you do, and what was that pivotal moment that took you down this path? So the pivotal moment, uh, it's almost kind of been um, two things, really. The, the pivotal moment of lead, leaving the, the corporate sector, uh, almost uh, almost 11 years now, goodness, uh, was, was kind of, um, I've always been career driven or I've always been in the situation where I kind of want to get to the next level. Uh, I want to be, uh, you know, either a manager, you know, whatever it is, um, or run a company. And I think it was just a, a case of, I always liked starting at the bottom of things. So if it was working in retail, I was pushing trolleys and then managed to get all the way up to kind of regional manager. And the pivotal moment for me was because I've been, um, it's normally to a point when I get to a, the, the the kind of the top where I can go and there's there's no more learning in that sector or there's no more um, things I can do. I then move on to something else. So the pivotal moment for me was really um because I've done so much work in the corporate industry of growing uh, my, my own career and my skill base, it was to see if I could then set up my own business, um, and, and which I did. And, and within that 10, 11 year journey, there was there was quite a few different pivotal moments, especially with the topic which we're going to um, cover uh, shortly in on the dyslexia side of it, um, which is, is giving me that I, I feel that kind of real drive uh, to, to put me where I am uh, today. But I'd say the pivotal moment is, is all about learning for me. It's all about um, pushing myself and, 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 and experiences. Right, yeah, that's really interesting. And as you've uh, um, mentioned, we're going to be talking about an interesting topic here um, that um, I think it affects more people than we, we realise. And I was only mentioning this to my partner um, yesterday, 
And she said, yeah, and, and she mentioned that her daughter suffers mildly with dyslexia yeah. and, 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 and she has to certain things that she needs to um, do to make sure that she can like, cope with exams and all those sort of things that we, yeah, no, uh, we take for granted. So, um, so d- just to start the sort of topic or the chat around uh, dyslexia, just um, tell us some of the uh, challenges that you've had in, in your life up to this day. And, and, and also, when did you find out you're actually dyslexic? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so um, uh, I kind of, uh, I kind of found out my my. Uh, I was diagnosed with dyslexia at the age of thirty six. So I'm forty three, forty three, forty four now. Yeah. Uh, I always forget. Um, and uh, so, so that was kind of uh, the diagnosis of a, a late diagnosis was was great in one way because it was kind of it, it allowed me to to kind of forgive myself, I guess, for all the things when I felt I was dumb, stupid, all the labels that they tend to give people or the feelings that you, you, you know, you feel inside. So dyslexia is, is, you know, has affected me, you know, throughout my whole life, but there's been key areas where I felt um, it's, it's been more troublesome than it's worth because of when the challenges. So take school, for instance, primary school wasn't too much of a, an issue. I really enjoyed primary school. Uh, probably it, it, the, the, you know, the, the later side of it, when you start to do, you know, kind of more uh, little exams to go, then go, you know, into the secondary school. That was, that was quite difficult, but generally, you know, growing up nursery primary school wasn't too much of a problem, but it, it was when I went into the secondary school and then you're, you're put more, you know, in, in uh, special classes you're putting uh, you know different sets and that was really uh, really quite challenging because I, I you know I look back on it now and I think for those five years I was being challenged with something that I thought I just you know I'd go home every night with a, with a headache and you know migraines and thinking you know why don't I get it I just don't get it you know the information that they're they're, they're sending you know into my brain I'm just I can't, I can't remember it I um, you know the letters are moving around I, I'm just you know and, and the difficulty is, and this is why when we work with schools and education and in, 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 um, in corporates as well, we try and um, it, it's very hard to help someone and give them the tools that they need to do their job when the person themselves don't really know what the problem is. And and, and that's kind of how I felt. You know, I, I would always try and do so many different things because I couldn't do stuff. You know, I couldn't read properly off the, of the book or I couldn't go up to the classroom and write on the, you know, on the, on the board or, you know, do simple exams and, and, and these things as well. So these things are really, really challenging for me, but looking back on it, people's asked before, you know, do you blame the educational side of it? Cause I left school with not a single qualification. And most of the time my school days were in this thing called the unit, which is a uh, not spe- special police force. It's an actual <laughs> um, cabin, which is, uh, you know, like a porter cabin in the middle of a, 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 the school field. And, um, you know, given things like colouring in to do and just activities, really. And I look back and I think, was my was I robbed of my education? And, and in one aspect, you could probably say, yes, there was that element of the teacher didn't really know. But secondly, I guess um, I didn't really know what the issues were at that time. Now, thankfully, with this, this, the educational system, there's still masses of work to be done. But, but we, we can definitely see a turn in, and a change in the amazing things that teachers are doing. Um, you know, the school I grew up in, uh, the area I grew up in, the school I grew up in, uh, a school I went to was quite, you know, kind of like a school of hard knocks, really. And, and, I, and I don't think dyslexia was, you know, around in, in people's mindset around that time. So I, I've always, you know, I've always struggled with it. I struggle with it every day um, now. Uh, certain things like um, if I get tired, 
Um, I, I, you know, words start moving around. I find it difficult to to concentrate most of the times. Uh, uh, you very fidgety. Um, and and the other thing as well, Mark, they they, they say that um, it's statistically not many people. A lot of people have dyslexia. There are also elements of other things. So it could be dyspraxia, it could be ADHD. Uh, as well. So, so there's so many different elements to this. Uh, and, and I think that's why it's very difficult to, to really kind of analyze and help someone um, fully um, until that person really knows what, what they actually need to help them with. Mm. So, yes, I suppose with everything, there's um, different, um, 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 how much these things affect different people in different ways and, and in different uh, intensities, I suppose. Yeah, um, I, I suppose you can have mild um, dyslexia and maybe uh, and the opposite to that, where it's, you know, really sort of affecting your sort of day to day. And I was really shocked when, you know, when someone said, you know, not one person's dyslexia is the same as another person. You know, mm. there's a slight deviation of, of, of it all. And, and that's, you know, that, that's massive. You know, they say mm. one in 10 people or one in five people statistically, um, you know, are dyslexic. And, you know, it's a huge number of, of, of people that have, um, you know, like I said, either mild dyslexia or, um, you know, strong dyslexia in the sense of that it, it debilitates them from doing daily, uh, daily things that we take for granted. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, was, I was just thinking, probably people thinking, uh, um, listen to this, probably think, well, how do I find out whether I am dyslexic if they've got some sort of um, inkling? Um, is there um, something, I, I guess you can get tested, can you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's different mm-hmm. degrees of testing. Now, people think um, that the, the testing side of it is very much, uh, it, it's what you want to get tested for. And, and, and a lot of the time people think, well, actually, I don't want to get tested because I don't want to you know, have a label, um, you know, to think, well, I can't do that because I'm dyslexic or I can't do this. So, so there are there are benefits, uh, you know, bonuses, especially in the, for, for a child in you know, the younger education, if they are. Um, able to be tested then they can contact places like you know um you know they can just google dyslexia uh testing in in their local area and, and there are centers uh that you can actually go to there's online things as well um and obviously the, there's the british dyslexia association which you can google and then they would have a, a whole ream of different things um that that can help you with but it's it's down to i i, I definitely urge if you know if people wanted to get tested it's just if someone, the whole point for me to get tested was just to understand it more. Um, and I think once I understood dyslexia and the the, the the help and support that you can get with it, I think it just, again, it just makes things, it doesn't cure it. You can never cure dyslexia, but you can definitely um, make it a little bit easier for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, the important thing here is that, um, um, and, and, and this is one of the reasons why I enjoy doing these podcasts, because it's not just about interviewing interesting people that have had, you know, got a great story. It's about, I, I actually learned something because I have to do a little bit of um, um, uh, investigation into the topics, because obviously I'm not an expert in a, a lot of this stuff. Um, and it's surprising what you find out. And I, I did some, as you do, uh, Google this, that, and the other. And one of the, the things that sprung up was that there's a, a, a large percentage of um, entrepreneurs are um, dyslexic. And the people that, that we you know, um, such as what well, Einstein um, and, Bra- and Richard Branson and, and Steve Jobs, they they're quite you know famous people that have obviously been very very successful. Um, and so they've somehow used something that maybe people see as a disability in some way, but actually 
they're using it as a superpower in some way. So can you sort of relate to how that, that, that's, that sort of works? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and mm -hmm. I think, you know, and, and, and like you said that, you know, you alluded to, to the names that are, you know, very, very successful uh, dyslexic people, you know, you know even uh, pop singers like Usher and Lewis Hamilton uh, are, are uh, dyslexic and then the, the list is endless. Mm -hmm. And and some people say, you know, with, with dyslexia, why do you do things differently? And I think it just comes down to the fact that for me personally, I know no other way. So, you know, it's not like I was given you know dyslexia at the age of 10 and said you know so I never really had any um ways of of, of dealing with this before so so I guess with the superpower side of it you know, I know that it gets mentioned quite a lot and I don't know for me personally it's that creativity that drive that hunger to think differently all the time about the most simplest of things I, you know I'll give you an example when I was uh, going for a promotion in uh, when I was in the corporate sector and I was going for a promotion, I think this was uh, for store manager or, um, and I think it was kind of a, a, an extra pay rise of say 20, 25,000 pounds, which is, you know, huge sums of money. And, and I had to go for um, a, a two day presentation uh, and to drive all the way up to Birmingham. I had to um, uh, go into a room with nine other candidates and we were all being interviewed and we'd have to uh, do a, a PowerPoint presentation for 20 minutes to the people that were, um, uh, I think it was the one of the head of HR and uh, one of the, the regional managers. And what we had to do is we had to go down and do the presentation in front of the other nine candidates uh, and in front of them. And um, and that was quite that was quite tough. So the remit was do the presentation, do the uh, tell us why you you should get this role. And I always remember uh, I, I was lucky number ten, I think. Uh, so I was the last one to do the presentation. And what actually happens, I had to go uh, walk down. It's like walking, you know, uh, you know, it was the walk down was really terrifying. And and then they said, set up the presentation, start doing things, you know, start telling us why you should be getting uh, the position. And instead of doing the PowerPoint presentation, I'd actually ha had a, a flip chart with drawings on it. So, uh, you know, kind of like a, um, uh, we're talking about delivery turnaround. And we, so I had a truck outside of a store you know we're talking about the um uh the uh, the graduation program that we've got so i had someone wearing a graduation hat uh so so see the wet thing for me i see everything in pictures so once i see that picture i can log in that what information that needs to go with it but but this is where this is where it changes and you have to have quite a bit of confidence to do it is when I started showing the flip chart, the, the people in front of me seemed a little bit annoyed because what they thought I was doing was taking the mic. You know, why am I not taking this, uh, this position very uh, seriously? And the other nine candidates that were up there were kind of, you know, laughing because they thought, you know, this guy's a bit of a joker. Three pages in, when I can start relaying the information, they started getting it. They started thinking, well, actually, yeah, you're given what the information is. At the end of it, the, the gentleman came up and, and shook my hand uh, and, and said, you know, well done for, for having the nerve uh, to do something so outrageous. And, you know, at that point, I could have just said, yeah, that's, you know, that's just me. But <laughs> what I did, I said, said, well, you know, I thought to myself, I, I know no different. That's if I would have learned at that time to how to do the PowerPoint presentation and try and get all the information in that short period of time to do it then it would have, you know, overloaded my brain and, and thought to myself, well, actually, I can't do that. So what can I do? So I think when it comes down to superpowers, I think it just comes down to trying to think what's the end goal? What is it we want to achieve here? And how do we, how do we get around it? Um, and, and I think that creativity side, you take Richard Branson, for instance, it, it's that, that 
that attitude, I guess, of surrounding yourself with amazing people, but also having the, you know, the, the tenacity to just say, do you know what, let's just give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? Mm. And I, I guess it goes back to the way you see the world, isn't it? Like everything, you know, we we all see the world differently. And yes. if that information is going into our brain differently, then we are obviously, the, the output is bound to be different, isn't it? And, you know, I, and I'm sort of thinking about how I would have coped in that situation, um, not, you know, wanting to really get involved with the technology. And, and, and something I wrote down here actually um, was that... Um, dyslexics tend to think in images and feelings and not not sounds and words is that something that uh, resonates with you absolutely i i I will always uh tend to remember what the you know if i met someone at networking i'd always remember either you know what shirt they were wearing or uh, you know something about them um as opposed to to names uh, and 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 other details within that side of it and and again but so imagery is is absolutely key especially for me um, I will always remember something um, and relate it to an image, uh, mm. you know, to, to kind of recall it, I guess. And, and I think that what you mentioned as well, Mark, is that um, we, we, we all see the world differently. The, the way with dyslexia is that when we're reading something, uh, we're, we're all taking it in the same. So we, we see it the same, we read it the same, but when it actually goes in and starts decoding, that's when the problems arise. That's when... Mm. Uh, the the output of what it is that we're trying to decode that's when when the issues start um start happening um and and that's where the, the problems lie yeah and, and the interesting thing was that you know if someone said about this before i sort of um i sort of did my bit of research i would have definitely thought about reading and writing as as um things that were challenging but um it, it's this sound thing that came out of it which was quite interesting thinking well i never thought that sounds were something that um, that you, you you have trouble with, but when you think about it, when speaking, it's very much about sounds, isn't it? And it's obviously decoding that sound into a word. And I suppose Absolutely. that's where that sound thing comes in. Absolutely, and and and, yeah. and because dyslexia is is, um, is linked to, like I said, dyspraxia and ADHD and um, dyscalculia, and there's there's other elements that it can be. And I'm not saying it could, you could have mild forms of these, and that's why you know you'd really if you had a uh, a full test so to speak then then they could break it right down for you um but but with the because i'm dyslexic and have uh, slight adhd tendencies so it's difficult to try and analyze which which is the adhd side of it which is the dyslexia side of it but but noise for me is um could be incredibly it could be crippling so when um say if i'm at a conference or an expo or a networking event then then because i'm trying to decode and take in so much I then need to, I need to go away somewhere and I, I carry headphones with me all the time and I tend to put um, uh, classical music on. So I need to kind of find some quiet time uh, afterwards for 10 minutes to just kind of, my brain just feels absolutely frazzled after it because you're just so exhausted. So I'll, I'll tend to just listen to something soothing like classical music. Um, and again, this is just me. This is how I, I deal with it and how I cope with it. Um, and then that then brings me back to kind of a, a level of where I can then, you know go again so to speak but but noise decoding noise hearing too much noise uh and the other thing as well is uh, the superpower side of it it sounds a bit strange but i can be in a cafe and i can hear about four or five different conversations going on at once so i'm i'm honing in on absolutely everything and sometimes you know if you're if your brain's working continuously like that and and the, the the sounds of it it can you know it can be quite exhausting so but again i can 
from from my own experiences. Yeah, yeah. And so another thing I've also picked up was about long-term memory. It tends to be that you have quite a good long-term memory, and yes, so you're able true. to sort of remember them. And I guess that you remember those things in 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 um, uh, the images and feelings. I suppose that's another thing that's. And is that something that you use uh, to your advantage? Yeah, definitely. And I think storytelling and um, helps. So I will always remind myself of a, a, a picture, the story that goes with it. And then within that, there's some facts. So that's how I, I tend to remember everything. Short term memory is is terrible. I give you an example. If you um, ask for uh, um, uh, to reset something or a code, you do something on the computer and a code comes through on your phone to say, you know, put in three, four, nine, six or whatever it is. I, if I have to swipe off of the phone to go back in to try and put the code in, it would take me forever. Absolutely. It, so I need to go back in. I, and I, so short term memory is so, for me is, is really, really difficult. I don't know if that's linked to the, the dyslexia, the ADHD. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But it, it, it's something that I've always had the short term. It was almost like I just instantly forget. It's a bit like when you meet someone and they, they tell you your name. It's almost like you've trained your brain to just go, well, actually, I'm not going to say that in um that's you know I'll, I'll, i won't take that in but but yeah mm. so so there, there, there's quite a lot of things that you're battling with on a daily basis yeah yeah it seems like yeah it's it's, it's a struggle but obviously um from you know uh, what i found out is that there are a lot of people that have made a lot of money out of it um yeah. uh, apparently 40 percent of all self-made millionaires are uh, have um, dis- uh, dys- dyslexia in some form or another and also yes. particular um, um, areas of well, business, uh, entrepreneurial uh, uh, people are, tend to be, um, it's almost like, um, it's, it's seen as a benefit. I'm sure you don't see it that way, but it's, it's obviously uh, something that helps in these um, certain um, sectors. Um, architects, um, engineering, arts, um, yeah. those sort of areas um, seem to be where um, dyslexia has some sort of um, ability to um, improve and help them in that scenario. Could you, could you, any idea of why that might be? I, I, I take you know the creativity industry is um, you know entrepreneurial, the business, the creativity side of it, music, um, you know, even down to sports as well. Uh, you know, I again, um, I, I would just say is I, I don't know if it's that that sheer drive. Or the fact that you think to yourself, well, actually, you, you know, for me, I've always been kind of the underdog and, and written off in so many ways. So at the start, it was down to, you know, not you, you want to prove them wrong, but because you're always trying to focus on the most simplest of things and, and you find those difficult, you, you, you tend to turn to something that you find enjoyable or you can actually do. And a lot of the times, if you look at, say, some of the, the sports stars uh, that aren't there that are dyslexic, they would tend to just focus their times on that business they would focus their times on this and i think it's just mm. it's just down to um it, it, that sheer drive that sheer um enjoyment that people get out of doing something um mm. but the other thing as well i've noticed with, with all the dyslexics that i've met uh, that i've met uh, you know I've, I've traveled to many different countries now with our, our global dyslexia group and um people with dyslexia are incredibly great communicators and what they tend to do is they tend to have uh, they surround themselves with amazing people and I, I know i alluded to richard branson earlier about you know getting himself with amazing people and that's exactly what he's done we tend to find things and again you know within business you tend to find things 
um, that you're good at. And then people who are better at doing other things, you then surround yourself so they can help and support your mission um, going forward. And again, I, I know a lot of people do that in business. Um, but I've noticed that with dyslexia, it's like the, the communication side of it and, and the relationship building has been, it's been intense. It's been mm. great to see. Yeah, uh, it's really interesting, fascinating. Um, and I think it's about time we sort of moved on to what your vision is, because you've obviously got a passion around this. You want to um, how you have a message uh, that yes. you want to um, globally want to get the message out there. With So just tell us about that, your your business now going forward and, and, and what that's that's all about. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so the, like I said, when I found out I was diagnosed at, at 36, um, yeah, I, I then started doing uh, school talks prior to that. And it was mainly school talks around business, entrepreneurship. Uh, and then it kind of switched around uh, to going into schools um, from primary schools to secondary schools, universities, youth projects uh, and, and so on. And you know, I think I've spoken to probably about 70, 80,000 students over, over the period of time. And it was around kind of dyslexia and it was around changing the perspective of people with dyslexia, uh, helping that inclusivity uh, in, 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 in schools. Then it changed. Uh, I was very fortunate to do uh, lots of kind of um, talks at business shows. Again, bringing the subject of dyslexia, uh, not many people were aware of this. So I was able to do that. And then over the past, I'd say a year and a half now, nearly, nearly two years, um, we we went on a kind of a, a bit of a campaign. So we put um, uh, an email campaign together, uh, probably about a year and a half ago. And it was literally contacting 76 different organizations to do with uh, dyslexia. So these were registered schools um, that were to do with dyslexia across the globe. Uh, and uh, it, it kind of took me on a bit of a, a 12 month whirlwind tour really. So a lady from uh, a lady called Phyllis and her sister Nancy came back from Kenya uh, and, and uh, emailed me back and said, I'd like to go out to their school. So I went literally, uh, and again, I don't know if this is entrepreneurial or dyslexic, but uh, within a week of getting that email, I booked a ticket and was flying out to, to, to Kenya and we put on a, an event for the local village, um, which is fantastic. And then I recently became uh, a board member of their school. So we're um, then off on the back of that, we went to Malawi, uh, we went to uh, America for the um, International Dyslexia um, Global Conference, which I was uh, speaking at. <clears throat> what we've been doing now over the past year and a half is really just trying to um, build connections uh, for people. And now, now what we've done now is been able to take it into organizations. So we've recently, uh, we're working with um, HSBC uh, and there are 40,000 staff to, again, that inclusivity thing. So our, our aim with the, the Global Selection Group is really to kind of um, change, change the perspective of uh, SPLDs, so um, special learning differences, and uh, make, make it much more an inclusive uh, workplace and educational uh, sector as well. On a, on a global scale. So uh, we were, this year, we were meant to be going um, to seven different countries uh, to film a, a, a documentary on decoding dyslexia, but obviously with the, the situation, the COVID situation, uh, that was that was cancelled. But um, as soon as we're uh, allowed to go, we will uh, we will push that button and we will go um, and, and uh, go to, to starting off with seven different countries, um, mm -hmm. trying to really kind of understand dyslexia in different languages and different cultures as well. So that mm. that kind of in a in a brief nutshell is where we're uh, where we're heading. Um, we've got a big job, and uh, we're, we're really excited about doing it. It's interesting. Well, it's, it's, it sounds fascinating and, and, and awesome. And obviously, you are 
obviously passionate about this and you want to make a difference and, and you know um, whatever it is that's driving you forward obviously there is a, a great passion there which is I'm sure you're going to make a massive difference so so how does how does it um, you talked about Kenya there um, across the world is 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 dyslexia becoming more um, you know something that is addressed um, you know within education and within the workplace uh, or is that that is still not very good, and that's why you're sort of driven to uh, do something about it. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it has it's vastly improved, obviously, mm-hmm. since I, since I was at school. Um, and and you know, you've got an amazing organisations like the BDA. You've got amazing organisations like Made by Dyslexia with Kate Griggs, who who you know, Kate brings in that element of um, you know the celebrity side of it. You know, it's Richard Branson. Uh, you know, all the kind of the the big the big stars, so to speak. So so it gives children in school to kind of that aspiration to think, well, actually, yes, I may be dyslexic, but I can aspire to be someone like that. Um, I think with the, uh, the when you touched on the culture side of it, it that was a real uh, a real big, sh- big shock to me. I, I guess you know when I went out to, to Malawi uh, recently, you, for instance, dyslexia is really kind of uh, not not well known in, in Malawi, so, so to speak. So if you were to type in uh, dyslexia Malawi, nothing would come up. But after we, I did a tour um, from Blantyre to Lilongli. Uh, we were over there for a week, week and a half. Uh, we did kind of pop-up shops and tours um, to create more awareness for dyslexia. And that, that was fantastic. And now um, the ABLE Foundation uh, is set up by this lady called Jaranji. Uh, which so if you google it now there's there's a lot of information and and she's doing a fantastic job out in Malawi but what struck me in in Kenya is that it's very it's a culture thing and if a child has dyslexia in say in Kenya it tends to um it tends to bring shame uh on the village uh and and people will kind of do anything they can to not acknowledge that the child has any kind of learning differences and just, just briefly, if I can, uh, Phyllis and Nancy, to give you an, an idea of how powerful the work they're doing out in, in Kenya, they set up a, a school. Uh, they started homeschooling uh, their, their two children. So Phyllis and Nancy, they're sisters, so they had a child. Uh, both of them had dyslexia, and the school did not want to teach them because of the, uh, they were falling behind in, in class. So they decided to homeschool them. Now, this led to other people in the village uh, having the same situation. They were asking Phyllis and Nancy, would you be able to homeschool my child? Because I fear they have dyslexia. Um, uh, and, and then that then progressed to uh, they had to move out of their home uh, to, because people were not happy that children with learning differences uh, were being taught in their village. So they had to move home because it was, you know, this was, uh, you know, you just imagine it. You just couldn't, you couldn't write this. It, it was just mm-hmm. crazy. So they had to move. They then set up a, in a different place. And then they set up a, a school called the Rare German Talent School. They have 198 students now in Kenya, um, all with kind of SPLDs, which, um, but but without those two people, without that, that, that work that they're doing, these children wouldn't have an education. And like I said, I'm a board member of their school, been out there twice now, and they're doing incredible, incredible things in a, in a country which, mm-hmm. if you mention dyslexia, it, it, it brings tends to bring shame as opposed to, uh, you know, that positive side of it. Gosh, it's, I mean, uh, you don't think of it as a stigma, not not in um, sort of in the first world, but you know, I suppose third world countries, they've got um, other stuff going on, and um, anything yeah. that's seen as um, as a disability is something that um, they don't want to acknowledge. I suppose, yes. Gosh, quite sh- shocking, and, and, a, and a great story there. And, and I can see why you you know you want to get get over and help them and and, and make a difference. It's awesome work. 
Um, sadly, Darren, we're um, coming towards the end of our um, half an hour or so chat about it. I've really enjoyed it. And what yeah, I do, what we, what I always do is ask my um, guests to sort of sum up what we've been talking about and give us sort of three top tips um, from someone that's been listening to this, how they can um, think about dyslexia, maybe if they're leading a team or whether they think that they're suffering, not suffering, but whether they think that dyslexia is something that is um, affecting what they do. Um, what would those sort of, what would those three top tips uh, be? I would definitely say um, to, you know, to, to go back into your workplace and just just maybe have a, a chat with the, the the HR side of it and just see how you help uh, people with dyslexia. Look at your, you know, maybe the recruitment process. Maybe look at um, how colleagues can be helped. And 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 you could actually identify within your team if someone has dyslexia. And and sometimes it's it's it, you know it's just massively helpful if you can acknowledge this and you've also got to start thinking about if you're an employer uh, how are you uh, how are you working towards to make someone um, you know come through your your organization just think about you know uh, we were looking at the banking industry and they could uh, you think if your online application form uh, is 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 huge uh, and and you know you have to fill out loads and loads of forms it can be very very difficult um, so, so have a look at your policies and I would definitely say urge if you want to get tested um, to just find out I would definitely urge you to, to look into that that would that be um, that would be the kind of the the, the thought process around um, dyslexia in the workplace hmm. brilliant thank you Darren for your time today I've really enjoyed it it's been an eye-opener for many reasons for me and I'm sure for the listeners that um, we've got to take these things on board and not take them for granted and and realise that some people don't see them the same as we do uh, and trying to keep it in that superpower um, sort of uh, realm rather than a, than a disability, I think. Um, but obviously, it's still, it's still there. Definitely. There's loads of positives there, Mark, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you've been listening to this and think, you know, what should I do? I think the first thing you should do is um, connect with Darren, make sure that you've, you watch his journey. I'll be watching Darren's journey as he... Obviously, he's got a, a, a big mission there to solve, um, not solve a problem, but probably help um, people with uh, dyslexia. So thank you again. And, and I really look forward to watching your journey going forward. Thank you very much indeed, Mark. Really appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the episode, please take the time to leave a review on your chosen platform and share on social media. Don't forget to check out the Reluctant Leader Academy where you'll find a free 15 questions every manager should be asking themselves checklist that you can download to keep you on track every day. Leadership is a choice. When you understand the right mindset, know the process to follow and use key skills to keep things moving forward, you'll be on track to leave a lasting legacy. Until next time, be the best you can be and the inspiration for others to follow. Oh,